Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. You have a secret longing to go traveling across magic horizons? Our favorite story series transports you by the wonder of radio to mountaintops in Tibet, drawing rooms of Queen Victoria's London, and even to the moon. Well, this week we travel into the depths of the oceans of the world to bring you Jules Verne's most imaginative adventure, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It was picked as the favorite story of the celebrated actor-director-producer, Mr. Orson Welles. Orson told us that he's always been a Jules Verne fan. And the mysterious Captain Nemo is one of his favorite characters. So here it is, for Orson and for all of you. The story which astonished the world in 1866. Chosen by the man who, years later, astonished the state of New Jersey with his invasion from Mars. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Act One. Mr. Arana, thank you for coming to my office. My pleasure, Commodore Farragut. I'm at your service. I know you're anxious to get back to Paris, monsieur, but believe me, this is a matter of extreme urgency. How can a botanist, a museum curator, be of help to you? We know of your reputation, Professor. Believe me, the nation, the world, has need of your knowledge. I'm honored. Before I go on, I must tell you that any word that passes between us now, from this second forward, must be kept in complete confidence. What I have to discuss with you is top secret. Shall I continue? You have my word, Commodore Farragut. Good. Professor, do you know about the steamship Moravian of the Montreal Ocean Company? Yes, that was the passenger ship which sank last March in the North Atlantic. I remember the papers were full of it at the time. You remember how the ship sank? I was under the impression that the Moravian had scraped on a submerged reef. We've conducted soundings all over that section of the Atlantic. Where the Moravian sank, the ocean depth is greater than a hundred fathoms. You know of the Scotia, which was stricken a few months later off the coast of England? The ship limped into dry dock at Liverpool. There was a triangular gash in the hull of the Scotia, which couldn't have been done more neatly with a metal punch. Professor Arana, the Scotia was rammed. But, Commodore, if this is true, it is an act of war. No vessels in the high seas are safe. True, Professor? True. What men would be capable of piracy in this day and age? Shall I tell you my theory? Please do. I do not believe that this is the work of a human being. What? I believe that these disasters are the work of some beast of the ocean depths. A giant whale, perhaps. Uncatalogued in your books of science. But what is your plan, Commodore? Our Navy has just put into commission a new frigate. Named in honor of our late great president, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yes. The ship is capable of a top speed of 18 nautical miles an hour. Incredible. 18 miles an hour. Commodore... This certainly is a miraculous age we're living in. We'll comb the oceans with this high-speed vessel. We'll find your sea monster, Professor, harpoon it, and make the shipping lanes safe again. When do you sail? Friday at dawn. I'll be aboard, sir. It sounds like quite an adventure. Three months later, I was cursing myself for making such a hasty decision. For three long months, the Abraham Lincoln had seesawed back and forth across the Atlantic, doubled Cape Horn, and steamed into the peaceful seas of Japan. But there was no sign of the sea monster. The crew was restless. We slept fitfully. We never knew when the tusk of the great beast might rip into the hull of the Abraham Lincoln and send it to the bottom of the Pacific. 
I wouldn't worry about it, Professor. What's the matter, Ned? Don't you think the giant whale is going to favor us with an appearance? <laughs> you ask me, I think this whole thing's a wild goose chase. With no wild goose. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? All my life I've been chasing whales. I've been a harpooner on more voyages than I can remember. But I never yet in steamship. Ned, what would you say that is? Where? Off the starboard, the black object coming toward us. Lord, save us. I've never seen anything like it. Come it on, Ned! Yes, we spotted it! Lieutenant ordered it to the battle station. Ned Land! Aye, aye, sir. Take your feet in the forecastle. We're depending on you to harpoon this creature. Aye, aye, sir. I'll do my best. Good man. Yes, Commodore. Look at the speed of that devil. Tell me what known species of whale can travel at 40 miles an hour. None, sir. It's beyond belief. By heaven, it's heading straight toward us. Helm! Aye, aye, sir. Wing two, so we're facing the devil head on. Shall I harpoon the ready, sir? Don't wait for it. Look! It's a whale, all right. What a water spout. be a matter of minutes before I was a dead man. There was no bit of wood to cling to, no shore to swim to. The nearest bit of earth was two miles away, straight down. I beat the water with my hands in a desperate effort to keep afloat until the last possible moment. Don't struggle so hard, Professor. Ned Land, so you were swept overboard too, thanks to that devil of a whale. Well... We can drown together, Ned. That won't be necessary, Professor. If you reach down, I think you'll find solid footing directly beneath you. Good Lord, Ned. This is a miracle. Ah, no, sir. It's our whale. What? This tissue balance trap is heaving up out of the water. It has no scales. This isn't a fish, Ned. I'd say it's a regular iron clad. You're right. These are iron plates riveted together. This is a monstrous underwater vessel. Man-made. What will we do if it dives again? It won't. There must be men inside. Human beings with human sympathies. Beat on the shell with your knife, Ned. Aye, I will. We'll have to raise such a racket that they let us in. Aye, aye, sir. Let us in! Let us in! Help us, you pirates! Save us! Let us in! Suddenly, one of the iron plates was lifted up. A man looked out, made a strange noise, and disappeared. A few moments later, four strong men with masked faces appeared noiselessly and carried us down inside their formidable machine. Professor Mariner. Yes, Ned. Is that you? Are you all right? These bruisers don't stand much on ceremony, do they? Jumping us down here where it's blacker than pitch. We're completely at their mercy, Ned. Uh, I still have my way on night. And if they have any ideas about rough treatment, I can make it interesting for them. Calm down, Ned. Let's not ask for trouble. Listen. Someone's coming. With a light. There in the doorways for the strangest man I've ever seen 
He carried an electric lantern which cast sharp shadows on his face. It was a face which might have belonged to the Apostle Paul. A well-shaped forehead, wide-set eyes, straight nose, a clearly cut mouth. His physique was magnificent. And his age, well, the man might have been 35 or 60. For at least a full minute, he stood in the doorway, examining us without a word. Well, why do you stand there just looking at us? If it's a fight, you want... Control yourself. Sir, we don't know who you are or what you intend to do with us. My name is Pierre Aronard. I am a professor of marine biology with the National Museum in Paris. This is Master Ned Land, Harpooner, United States Navy. We call upon your humanity to treat us as you would wish to be treated in a similar circumstance. You don't seem to understand. I'll try French. Monsieur, votre attention, s'il vous plaît. Je suis Pierre Aronard, professeur de biologie avec le Musée National de Paris. Et voilà Monsieur Nedlin, Américain. Nous sommes vos amis. You still don't know what you're saying, Professor. Well, I know a little German. Mein Herr, wir sind... Gentlemen, that will suffice. We will discuss these matters in whatever tongue you choose. I myself speak first few language. Then we'll talk in plain English. As you wish. Land, Mr. Adenauer. I'm very annoyed to see you. An unkind fate has brought you here to trouble my existence. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Was it unintentionally that your vessel pursued me halfway around the world? Was it unintentionally that Mr. Land hurled his harpoon at my submarine? Gentlemen, you set sail with a single purpose of destroying me. Therefore, you dare deny that I have the right to treat you as enemies? Very well. Is there any reason, then, why I should show you hospitality? May I not place you outside of my deck and then sink beneath the waters and forget that you ever existed? Is that not my right? It might be the right of a savage, but not the right of a civilized man. I am not what you call a civilized man. I have done with society entirely. Therefore, I do not obey its law. If you have it in mind to kill us, please make the death swift and merciful. I have no such intention. As Aaron or I have read several of your books on biology and deep sea life. Because of my admiration for your scientific knowledge and your learning, I've decided that you and your companion are to remain aboard this vessel. To whom are we indebted for this clemency? I am no one to you. That is just what you are to call me. Captain Nemo. We'll be captives, of course. On the contrary, Mr. Land. You'll be my honored guest. You'll be free to move at will from stem to stern of my ship which I call the Nautilus. I'll show you its wonders, its ingenious mechanisms, and answer your questions concerning the life we lead here. But, Captain Nemo, are you sure it is wise to take us into your confidence and show us the secrets of this amazing vessel? You have said we are your enemies. Aren't you afraid that we will take this knowledge back to our homes and use it to destroy you? That doesn't worry me, Miss Light. Because I promise you, gentlemen, that neither of you will ever leave this vessel alive. We're ready for Act Two of Orson Welles' favorite story, 20,000.
thousand leagues under the sea by Jules Verne. Professor Aronor and the harpooner Ned Land find themselves at the bottom of the ocean in one of the most remarkable vessels ever created as guests of Captain Nemo. <laughs> say, Captain Nemo, that I have never had a better meal in the finest hotels of Europe. Shall we go to the library? You have a library on board? 12,000 volumes. Unbelievable. But it'd be too much to expect for you to have anything for a man to smoke after dinner. On the contrary. The land, Monsieur Adenau, may I offer you cigars? (laughs) I see, Captain. You haven't given up contact with Havana. I have given up all contact with your outside world. No, Professor. That which you mistake for Havana tobacco is actually a rare type of seaweed, rich in nicotine, dried, and rolled into cigars. Uh, We'll see how rare it is. This is the library. Captain, you have here some of the greatest treasures of the world. True. These bookshelves contain the gleanings of the richest minds that have lived on this planet. Your work's among them, sir. I am honored. And a grand piano. Do you play, sir? A little. Digest your dinners, my friends. I ask you to consider this question. Where do you think you are? Why, in the library of your vessel, of course. Floating on the Sea of Japan? No, Professor. Not floating. There's a half a mile of salt water above us, sir. We are beneath the Sea of Japan and traveling out at 30 knots an hour. Nonsense. I don't believe it. No? Master Land, be so good as to slide that panel to your left. Yes. So... Look. Behind the panel which Ned had opened lay a window of plate glass. In the faint light of deep underwater, I saw whole armies of fish swim by the Nautilus. Scores of fabulous creatures of the deep. They're attracted in such numbers by the lamps we steer by. But, Captain, where do you get your power to travel at such speeds? Electricity, sir. The sea supplies me with all the electricity I need through the chemical disintegration of seawater. One question. Ask me. A man must be wealthy to live such a life. Are you rich? Immensely rich. I could, without missing it, pay the national debt of France. For many days after this, I did not see Captain Nemo. One morning upon arriving, I found a note on the table of my stateroom. It was written in a bold, clear hand and was worded as follows. Captain Nemo invites Professor Arana to a hunting party which will take place this morning in the forest of Atlantis. Ned, we're going to visit a sunken civilization. That is correct. I don't know. As soon as you don this diving helmet, I shall be pleased to show you the ruins of Atlantis, the lost continent. Uh, shall I place this helmet over my head? I will secure the fastening. We'll be able to talk with each other over telephone apparatus. And there's plenty of air to breathe. It's compressed in this little tank which you carry on your back. Here, Professor, let me help you. Oh, this is a tight-fitting little cubby hole. Can you hear me, Professor? Uh, yes, yes, fine. Can you hear me, Captain Nemo? Perfectly. Now, if you will follow me through this door, Professor. 
How, how deep is it here, Captain? Not deep. Only about 30 fathoms. You know, the ground upon which you are walking was many centuries ago dry land. And there was an upheaval within the earth. This island sank beneath the waves of the Atlantic. That red glow ahead of us, what is it? It's lava, sir. We're climbing up the slope of an active volcano. The red glow grew brighter, and I found myself on the brink of an undersea volcano, with a crater pouring white-hot rock into the sea. There was a hail of volcanic debris descending in slow motion through the water. And at the foot of the mountain, before my very eyes, lay a town, ruined, destroyed, its roofs open to the watery sky, its temples fallen, its Grecian columns lying on the ground. In the blue-green distance, I saw the outlines of the necropolis, cut by the floating shadow of the Parthenon. Here was another Pompeii, a city which had died a double death, stricken by both fire and water. It is dangerous to go nearer, Professor. The lost city of Atlantis. It is a miracle. As you wish. Oh, I had almost forgotten. I promised you a hunt. But how can we hunt, Captain? We have no weapons, no guns. Look to your left. Yes? What do you see? A sunken ship. Yes, a Spanish galleon. What do you suppose you'll find on board? I, I can't imagine. Well, some of it seems to have spilled over the side. Here, Professor Allen. A solid in gutter. Your gold. Kindly accept this trifle as a token of esteem from your friend, Captain Nemo. What is this worth? In your world, perhaps a million francs. Down here, the fish place its value at exactly nothing. Two days later, the Nautilus came to the surface to restore its supply of air. Our course was northward toward Denmark and the Scandinavian Peninsula. I was enjoying a quick stroll on deck. Abruptly, Ned Land grasped me by the arm. Look, sir, over there. Uh, what do you see, Ned? That thin gray line on the horizon. That's Europe. So it is. It's people, friends, relatives, home. Professor, we may never have the chance again. We must try to escape. Ned, he'll never let us get away. We know too much about him. And it's too far to swim. But this coast is short. There must be coastal steamers. Some vessel would pick us up. Look, there's a ship of some sort up our weather beam right now. Can you make out the flag she's flying? That's odd. The ship doesn't seem to be flying any flag. Gentlemen, what are you doing above deck? Well, Captain Nemo, you have granted us the freedom of the ship. I command you to go below. You can't command us. Sir, I ask you to address us as gentlemen, not as underlings. You have seen things which you should not see. For your own good, I tell you to go below. They're firing on us. Fools, idiots, they fire on me. As if their puny cannonballs could scratch the Nautilus. Now, ship of an accursed nation, you know who I am. And I do not need your colors to know you by. The land, you ought to know. Go below. Sir, are you going to attack this vessel? Sir, I'm going to sink it. You will not do that. I shall do it. And I advise you not to judge me, sir. The attack has begun. Go below. <laughs> We went below. What else could we do? 
through the heavy glass window of the library, I saw that we had submerged. Then a shock passed through the Nautilus. And the whole submarine shuddered with a frightful impact. Then through my window, I watched a dreadful sight. I saw a stricken vessel sinking below the waves. I saw men going down with her, drowning before my eyes, their faces twisted with agony. There was tense breathing next to me. It was Captain Nemo. He looked out at the drowning men with an expression of utter hatred. Die. Die, you wretches. Die. Suddenly, he seemed overcome by remorse. He ran to a desk, put out a drawer, took something from it. Then he fell to the floor, sobbing, clasping that something close to his breast. He stretched out his arms. He was holding a picture of a beautiful woman and two little children. Forgive me, my darling. But now you are a vet. hundred yards from shore. We've got to do it tonight. If we're ever going to get off this cursed vessel, we'll have to do it tonight. Everyone on board should be asleep by now. We'll have to cross the library in order to get on deck. Aye, lead the way. All right. Hey, he's there. The captain, bend down. He may not see us in the shadow. Hurry, and be quiet. Good evening, gentlemen. Isn't this a rather late hour to be wandering in the library? We may as well tell you the truth, Captain. We were attempting to escape. Well, for what other purpose do you suppose the Nautilus is floating so close to shore? I... I don't understand. You plan to escape. Am I hindering you? You... You... You let us leave the Nautilus? Perhaps the opposite is true. Perhaps the Nautilus is leaving you. What do you mean, Captain? A few miles to the north of us is a peculiar phenomenon called the Maelstrom. The Maelstrom? A whirlpool which draws ships into its vortex and smashes them in its whirling fury. Even now, gentlemen, our course is set for the dead center of the Maelstrom. You'll be destroyed. Naturally. Come with us. Save yourself. No, my friends. My mind is made up. I've lived long enough with business. Everything must have an end. Somewhere, some way. Go on, up the companion way. I will not hinder you. Save your lives if you like. Captain Nemo, I beg of you, come with us. Please, gentlemen, do not interrupt me. I must finish my conversation. I hesitated a moment only, then hurried up the companion way to the deck. Ned Land and I dived into the icy water and swam easily to the shore where we found shelter in a fisherman's hut. Exhausted, I tried to sleep, but my mind kept traveling out to sea toward that whirlpool, that deadly vortex, the maelstrom. And all that night I dreamed of the Nautilus being sucked into its grave. And though I don't remember it, Ned Land says that I woke suddenly from my sleep, shouting at the top of my lungs, Goodbye! Goodbye, Captain Nemo. 
Thank you. 